Blog Talk Radio. And I tuning in to Help for HD Live. Help for HD Live is brought to you by Help for HD International and is made possible by our sponsors, Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I am your host, Katie Jackson, and today Katrina Hamill is co-hosting with me. Today our guest is Ezra. Ezra is a cannabis consultant and author of Cannabis Consulting, helping patients, parents, and practitioners understand medical marijuana, available from UPNE Spring 2018. Ezra is joining us today to discuss his, to discuss his work in cannabis, with the cannabis community and the benefits that he has seen for those who are suffering from diseases such as HD and JHD. So thank you for joining us today, Ezra. We are excited to have you on the show. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me uh, on. Yeah, let's, let's jump straight in and tell us a little bit about your work with cannabis, where you consult, and the type of illnesses that you have, been, uh, you have seen treated. Uh, sure, absolutely. So I, um, I was a high school teacher for many years, uh, and uh, we voted for medical marijuana in the state of Massachusetts, where I lived in 2012. And I was um, not very familiar with the industry, to be honest. Um, I, I had been somebody who smoked pot in, in high school and college, but didn't really understand it. And I was surprised that as we uh, legalized that there was not a professional class in the field that uh, seemed to know the science and could relay the information uh, objectively. And I uh, love science and I loved uh, uh, the idea of medical marijuana once I started researching it. And I became a grower myself um, and I thought, geez, there's nobody teaching the what I call the little old lady uh, class uh, how to use cannabis. And then um, so I put a shingle out. Basically, I retired from my teaching job and I said, I'm going to really try this and and, um, enter this new cutting edge field. And I just found that there were so many parents and uh, doctors even and patients who had never experienced cannabis, never tried it, didn't know how to use it, and that they really needed somebody who could be a practitioner. So since I was a grower um, and I made my own remedies and formulas, I was really able to um, be a, a full sort of apothecary for um, for patients. And I became interested in in the puzzling cases, the ones where every conventional medicine or treatment had failed and people were at their wits end and really looking for uh, 
some sort of relief, if, if anything. Um, and we're curious about cannabis, but just didn't know how to go about it. And so I think Huntington's disease is a perfect example of something that just, you know, the conventional medical field throws everything at it. And often, and as I saw with, with a JHD patient that I had, uh, Megan, she just was loaded up on pills. And I thought, geez, I think some of these pills could be reduced by proper uh, cannabis. So I've treated everything from chronic pain to cancer patients and um, anxiety and patients and uh, seizure patients, neuropathy and uh, uh, everything in between. So it's kind of become my expertise. Marijuana, and, and thank you for that. Um, you know, as you, I'm sure, have faced, there's been so much controversy, controversy surrounding um, cannabis and the medical marijuana arena. Um, can you tell me how you deal with the stigma surrounding it and how you feel um, that has evolved over time, or at least in, in the time that you've been doing this? Absolutely. I think this is such a fascinating or fantastic question and fascinating question because in the field of cannabis, there, if you're sort of in the know, you don't really associate a stigma with it. And you just think, oh, well, this is what we do. We grow pot, we smoke pot. And, and so if you're a patient, come get some. And I just, that seems shocking to me. And so I, since I came to it late, uh, as far as being introduced to medicinal marijuana and the ideas behind it and the science behind it, I really approach it um, with a scientific mindset. So I don't, um, I, I try to be objective. So I want to know, okay, this person is quote, getting high on marijuana. What does that technically mean? Are they uh, altered? You know, let's research the actual studies uh, on, on that. And I also have a degree in art, which seems like a different, um, you know, out of left field. But when you study art, you learn how to deconstruct uh, constructs and you'd learn how to deconstruct stereotypes about things. So I came to cannabis and said, all right, I'm going to deconstruct this whole field and, and lay my own foundation for how one becomes a practitioner and utilizes it as a medicine without any of the stone art stereotypes, without any pot leaves on my website, without any kind of um, uh, recreational or, um, or escapist attitude. I, I love being uh, coming from the healing side of it. I also worked with, um, I was a teacher in the inner city and my students were impoverished kids who had a huge connection to cannabis. And I started to see with them, this is what uh, really brought me to the field of cannabis was seeing that they were initiating stereotypes. You know, they had tattoos of pot leaves and things, but I could see mm -hmm. their trauma. I could see their diseases. I could see the ways in which they were self-medicating. And I felt, wow, these, some of these people are going to jail for this, for doing this. And if there was someone who could present this information in an objective way uh, with compassion and empathy for the full spectrum uh, and all the confusion around it, um, that maybe I could do some good in, in the community. So it doesn't mean that I'm not, uh, that I don't cringe. Sometimes I wake up and I think, oh, why can't I just go to work in a field that has no controversy around it? And um, I don't, relish in that, but I really believe in the social justice of it. I really believe that patients 
who are at their wits end um, that are stuck in the conventional medical system and not getting a lot of relief can find another option through cannabis. I really believe that. Absolutely. And I think think that, okay, sorry. Go ahead, Katrina. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, Sorry. I was just going to say that like in any kind of realm, there's, there's different controversies. So in, you know, the medical field where everyone, you know, will take a a pill for a symptom um, and that's just kind of what they're used to, their eyes aren't as open to the medicinal purposes of marijuana um, and vice versa. You know, someone who is used to natural cures or natural remedies um, definitely turn their their um, eyes to taking a pill. So it kind of goes both ways in the contra- controversy. You know, it's kind of like um, I can see it in both in directions and how it would affect um, someone's um, decision to kind of judge it almost. And I see that a lot. I see that frequently. I agree. And, and in fact, when you study the history of cannabis, you find that same pattern. I mean, it goes back thousands of years and there is um, uh, writings on cannabis where they talk about people saying, wait a second, why, why are you bringing this weird herb into our village? Uh, I don't like that herb. It's, it makes me feel wor- weird. And then you go to the hmm. 1800s in the U S and it was a, one of the major prescription drugs in the United States for 90 years from 1850 to wow. 1940. And, um, it, it was readily accessible, but there was also problems. Some people thought that it was um, something like heroin that just made people escape and they were confused by it. Some people would take the medicine and have a positive experience, a negative experience. So uh, the source of the cannabis was always uh, confusing for people. So that's also why I set out to do this. I said, geez, I, we need guides, and I'm not the only one by, by any means. I mean, there's a lot of people who – who know the information I do, it's just, it's been in the shadows for a couple generations and it needs to be out of the shadows so that people can be educated about it because it's really easy to get confused. Yeah. And just like the social, um, social stigma and the social split kind of on this type of, um, on this subject, I think that we have this in the medical field as well with, um, our medical professionals. So, um, I'm glad this is being brought up because do you have in your state, um, as far as doctors and the medical uh, professionals, do you see that the benefits of the cannabis um, and the marijuana, are, sh- are they more helping their patients because it's legal? And they're, or do you find that there's still a split with them as well? Uh, this is also a great question because it reveals the wide spectrum of education and tolerance for cannabis. Massachusetts is a liberal state. I live in a liberal uh, part of the state and in the western part of the state, so it's kind of crunchy, hippie crunchy, if you will. Um, but I'm amazed. Uh, one, yes, I would say, uh, for the most part, uh, m- practitioners of medicine are uh, tentatively accepting of cannabis. And I'll hear stories from my clients where they say, "Oh yeah, I told my doctor. My doctor's like, great, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Try CBD. Yep, go ahead, get your medical marijuana card. They're totally into it." But I still hear stories from people where um, they have gone to a practitioner, sometimes, you know, experts in their field. You know, we have Mass General Hospital. We have some of the world's best doctors. We have uh, Dana-Farber Cancer Center. You know, there's really high-end medical facilities here. 
And I'm still shocked to hear uh, stories where patients say, oh, my, my doctor refuses to discuss it. No, my oncologist refuses to discuss cannabis. Uh, these are shocking statements for me. And it also bears out when you do the research and you find that uh, they did a study and they found that only 13% of medical schools in all of North America study the endocannabinoid system. So the endocannabinoid system is actually our natural feedback pharmacy inside of our bodies that receives cannabinoids from the plant. So regardless of what you think about the cannabis plant, you actually have cannabinoids, these molecules that are mimicked by the plant coursing through your body. So the idea that medical professionals are not studying this in medical school is a huge gap in, in the education. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think it's really interesting because, you know, Katrina and I, we travel to, to medical um, meetings all over the United States, and we're actually seeing, like, on keynote speakers talking like a whole session is on cannabis which we've never seen that before. This is the first time I'm seeing it over the last year. Katrina, I don't know about you, but I mean, now we're seeing it so much more on our agendas. So I think it's definitely something that people are being more open to and they're starting to talk about more. But I think that the medical professionals are sometimes are leery or scared to talk about it too much um, without a lot of science data backing it up. But they, but we are noticing it is coming up on in these meetings a lot more. Um, which is positive. I agree. And I don't fault the doctors because they really do have to protect their reputation. Uh, There isn't a lot of data that gets filtered to them that's positive. And uh, and the cannabinoid system, or if we're talking about the internal feedback system, it's got the word canna in it already. And so they're just sort of, you know, until the the data or the FDA is truly on board. They just don't have time. They're, they're working with so many other patients and so many other medications that it's hard for them to, you know, take on that role of being pro cannabis. Um, It's also a, a, an herb, a plant um, and creates molecules that has such divergent effects. Uh, You know, it, it has shown to kill cancer cells and it's also reduced seizures and it's a uh, anti-anxiety and it's helps with sleep and appetite. And after a while, I think doctors just think, well, that's too good, too good to be true. That sounds like a, a stoner fantasy that, that all it helps with all those things. So they, they're just waiting for, for the real data to come out, even though the data is actually there. If you, the scientists are doing the data, the, the doctors get their info from scientists and the scientists are, are doing the studies uh, the doctors just haven't uh, fully gotten it. And, and as you said, many are. Many doctors truly are getting on board. Right. That's, that's true. We've seen a lot of that kind of spread through our community for sure. Um, I know earlier you, you mentioned one of um, the people or, you know, that you have helped um, in the JHD community. Um, have you helped multiple people? And I kind of wanted to hear a little bit about what um, – what symptoms were um, were treated, and kind of what the outcomes um, that you you think your patients saw by using medical yeah. marijuana? Absolutely. So uh, Megan, the uh, the patient that I had with D, who sadly passed a couple of years ago, um, she was a really powerful case in point of the num- one the number of symptoms that JHD or HD patients have to deal with, which just is heartbreaking for me. But it was also a accumulation 
of so many of the uh, singular cases that I had. So she had seizures, neuropathy, sleep issues, uh, anxiety, uh, and weight gain issues, as well as spasms, and then just emotional ups and downs. So often my clients will just have sleep issues or just anxiety or just seizures. So to have all of these things in one client um, was immense. It was really hard, but it made my process actually quite simple because when you have that many symptoms all together and you, you attack it with conventional medicine, uh, you get into that slippery slope of, of too many meds. So yeah, there's meds for seizures and neuropathy and sleep. And they, with Megan, it seemed like uh, it was hard to tell where her symptoms uh, stopped and the side effects of a med- medication began. And when you have 20 meds all at once, there, there's a cascading imbalance effect. And that's what we really saw with Megan. So when she uh, came to me, when her mother came to me, I, um, my first rule with meds, because I'm not a doctor, is that the patient should just do, uh, follow the protocol that their doctor has prescribed for their medication. So that's fine. Usually the medications are working on a completely parallel system. Cannabis is working with the endocannabinoid system. So uh, all the other drugs out there are not triggering the endocannabinoid system. So cannabis is something that you can uh, ent- uh, deliver to the system at a very conservative light dose initially. And then my goal for patients is, can we reduce symptoms? Can we reduce unwanted medication and then increase quality of life? So with Megan, what happened was because she was so deeply into the medicated uh, state um, and having so many side effects that it didn't take long. It took about a couple months to, uh, and I was uh, working almost exclusively with oils. So this is basically taking the cannabis plant uh, and uh, removing the plant matter and then infusing the, the medical part, the medicinal plant resin into oils. And the oils then can deliver it deeply into tissues. Uh, they deliver it to the body. And so the body can get effects without too strong of a high if it's done properly. Um, you can even use oils topically if you're worried about a, a patient getting high. So her mother really dove in and, and tried different things and would put drops in her yogurt and, and uh, experimented with the doses. And it was very clear, uh, you know, immediately she had um, a more relaxed emotional state. She um, was starting to sleep better and could start cutting down on the meds for, for uh, emotional issues and sleep. Um, her pain, her neuropathy was better with the meds, so she had fewer pain medication. And then her bowels started to work better. Uh, her sleep started to get even better. Her mood was enhanced. When the mood, and people talk about this, the, the side effects of euphoria with cannabis. If you're a healthy teenager, I don't know if it's uh, uh, appropriate, uh, certainly in moderation. There doesn't seem to be anything uh, dangerous about cannabis, but just seeking the euphoric side effect uh, as a teenager when you're healthy is a good way to escape you know, growing up and, and addressing reality. But if you're somebody like Megan, if you have JHD and you have a terminal illness, I mean, what you're living with emotionally is soul crushing. I mean, that's for, for everyone involved. So to give her access to euphoria, if she had a 
an oil that did elevate her mood, this was a huge positive thing for her. What was really powerful about Megan, and I hate to sound uh, dour about it, um, and I cover this in my book. I sort of have a little section dedicated to her, and that is, um, tragically, I was raided by the DEA. I uh, had plants growing outside of my yard, and the helicopters flew over, and so my whole business was shut down for a period. And that was right when uh, Megan was getting the benefits of the oils. Once she stopped getting my oils, all of her symptoms came back. Uh, she immediately went into the hospital. They pumped her full of all the conventional drugs, and she, her condition worsened, and she passed uh, really rapidly. <clears throat> and that, to me, was such a powerful uh, example of, of the idea of doing no harm in the medical field. What do we do with, with kids who have so many symptoms and so many uh, and have a terminal disease and how do we weigh that against, um, you know, giving them an illicit drug or what we think of it as an illicit drug. And, and in her case, it was just really improving her quality of life, reducing her meds and reducing her symptoms. And I think that that is a conservative approach to medicine. So uh, I really, and I, and I will always, just remember that experience. And I was not somebody who had been introduced to Huntington's disease. And so when you really get to know a family who's going through that, your heart uh, really opens up. And so it made, and it was also partly why I was able to uh, get off from the prosecutor. I was not charged with a crime because I was able to prove that I was working with patients like Megan and it really helped change the community's response to medical cannabis. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't even realize, I mean, we're, we're dear friends with cancer and, and, and um, I didn't realize that that happened. So that's very interesting for me to hear. I, I, we miss her very much and um, mm-hmm. it was tragic the way she passed. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a lot of this is a very important question to me because I think that it's very important um, that with our community being so vulnerable um, that we're very careful with um, with our community um, and we're very protective of our community, of course. So there's lots of conflicting mm-hmm. information regarding CBD-only products, um, especially with the states passing the, new C- uh, the CBD legislation that CBD-only products are available in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Can you explain the difference between hemp and cannabis and whether the products, when they say they're 100% CBD, are they helpful? What's your opinion on the difference of the effectiveness of both CBD-only products that can be found on the Internet for purchase versus CBD oil that is produced using cannabis? This is also an excellent question because it's such a confusing uh, Mm -hmm. area. Um, CBD yep. is also, it's an, a miraculous molecule that comes um, from the cannabis plant uh, that mimics a endogenous cannabinoid we have called 2-AG. Uh, and so naturally uh, people, because it's not THC, THC is the regulated active chemical in cannabis that gets you high. So CBD can be grown with hemp uh, or in marijuana or cannabis. Now, just briefly, uh, there is one, essentially one type of, of, the, of the species. It's called cannabis sativa, and hemp and marijuana and uh, all the other names for it come from the singular plant. What makes them different is the amount of cannabinoids. So when you have a plant 
that has almost no THC in it uh, that's a cannabis plant, then it's probably hemp, and it's been bred that way for generations to be uh, producing fiber. Uh, when you have a plant that has very high THC, a cannabis plant that has t- high THC, then that's probably a, quote, marijuana plant. That's a slang term, but it's, it, it makes sense to us because we know it's going to get us high. Now, we didn't even discover that CBD was an important molecule until the 80s and 90s uh, of last century. And so we didn't, uh, especially growers and illicit growers of cannabis, weren't breeding the plants for CBD. Uh, in fact, they were worried that they were going to breed them out. So um, now we, we can grow hemp and we can breed hemp to produce CBD and we can breed marijuana plants to produce CBD but they are very similar. It's just going to be what has, uh, which plant has what uh, amount of molecules. Now, it, um, to address the CBD only ele- legislation and, and then people who are saying we have 100% CBD and what's our source, et cetera, et cetera, that's all very confusing. I think the CBD only legislation is, um, it probably uh, does a disservice to the whole field. It's true. CBD is legally produced by legal hemp growers, uh, typically outside of the United States. So um, federally, we cannot grow hemp in the U.S., so they can grow it in Europe and in Asia. So hemp producers are now growing hemp and breeding plants for CBD. So it's typically going to come from uh, uh, hemp. And there are Chinese companies and Eastern European companies who are trying to cash in on Um, on making money from this. So they're often growing hemp uh, that is uh, grown for rope, for example, or textiles, and then they just extract the CBD from it. And this is not an appropriate or healthy process. One, they tend to mark up their CBD a lot. just, Just today I had a client who brought in an $80 bottle of CBD that had 15 milligrams of CBD in it. My $70 $70 bottle of CBD has 500 milligrams in it. So it's, it is important to kind of understand the source and understand uh, what that CBD does. Um, people ask me all the time, does your CBD come from cannabis or hemp? And I try to explain to them that cannabis is hemp, hemp is cannabis. Um, w- what's key is, does it have THC in it? With that said, so yes, there are people who are cashing in. There are people who are, you know, not in the the company I work with, and I had to do a lot of research to discover the company. um, They're health focused. They're not growing hemp to make paper and then selling CBD on on the side. They grow hemp because they grow it organically and they know that CBD is an incredible medicinal molecule. So I like them and I know the source and I know what my CBD does. Um, but, um, in general, I will say for the industry and the industry, the, the marijuana industry in general, even though it comes from an illicit underground culture, that it is full of people who are caring, you know, they are plant growers. They are people who are, um, seeking to bring about, um, cultural awareness of this amazing plant. Um, so, if you're going, if you're in California, or if you're going online, or if you're shopping for CBD, and you can tell that it's a reputable company, and you can see um, where their source is, that it probably is. I think that it's probably a good source, and it certainly 
worth trying that CBD, uh, especially before some of the other pharmaceuticals uh, that um, are really dangerous, that can be more dangerous than, than CBD. Does that, did I cover everything there? I, I would say absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely think you did. Um, and kind of like bouncing off of that question a little bit, there's, mm-hmm. as you know, a lot of like conflicting, conflicting information regarding the psychoactive effects of THC um, and whether even a little THC is needed for the CBD to be truly effective. Um, can you mm-hmm. explain if and how THC is actually effective? Yes. Um, this is also a fa- fantastic question. You guys are the best. Um, uh, the, <laughs> the, analogy, the analogy I use uh, to explain the difference between THC and CBD is that um, we can think of THC as like calling the fire department. So if we have a headache uh, or if we have an ailment and THC is effective for us, then uh, like a fire in our home, you call the fire department, they will come sirens blaring and they'll break the windows and hose the place down and the fire will go away. But they can also cause a lot of damage along the way. They can be loud and blaring. It's not something you want to do every day. CBD, on the other hand, is uh, like a therapist. It's like a social worker you come, that you call to your home and they quietly talk to you about fire pre- prevention, for example. So CBD is a much more subtle molecule and THC is effective for many things like uh, sleep, pain, uh, and uh, uh, weight gain, you know, it is an appetite stimulant. Um, but no, it, it isn't necessary to get high, certainly, for CBD to be effective. Um, but there is something called the entourage effect. And this is a clinical term, essentially, uh, to describe the idea that they've discovered when you bring all of the cannabinoids together from the plant, from the whole plant, uh, it has a better effect on the system than when they're isolated alone. So, um, you know, they make synthetic versions of THC. Uh, one is Marinol, another is called Dronabinol. And these are drugs that are made in the laboratory that are identical to THC, but they're not as effective for pain and nausea, things like that. Um, and it doesn't mean, so I have CBD and my CBD does have traces of THC in it and it's still at the lower, you know, you have to have lower than 0.3% for it to be legal. So you can sell your THC or your CBD everywhere. Um, And I do believe that that tiny trace amount of THC is going to fulfill that whole plant entourage effect that we're going for. So it is important to have um, the whole plant. And I encourage parents or, or, or patients to seek out whole plant CBD. But uh, with that said, I do have clients too who, who get drug tested. And if you are taking CBD that does have trace amounts of THC, you will, um, it will show up in your system. So some people need uh, just isolated CBD. And that has uh, shown to be uh, not as effective, but can be effective. So the most conservative route is just CBD isolate, just a, a THC-free uh, CBD. It's actually hard to find because everyone now has, has accepted that um, CBD 
with THC is beneficial, but it doesn't have to be one-to-one. You don't have to. I actually like to keep THC and CBD separate so that you can go way up on CBD if you need to, for example, to fight seizures without getting your patient too high. Uh, My ratio in my CBD is 250 to one. So 250 CBD to one THC. Um, So um, uh, just to address the psychoactive effects of THC, um, this is very subjective. Uh, There are uh, people who take THC into their system and they feel dizzy uh, and they feel sleepy, uh, but they wouldn't call it high or psychoactive. There are other people who feel that really strongly. They feel the euphoric effects. They feel like it's a hallucinogenic or psychoactive experience. Um, when you do it at low doses, so THC can be microdosed, and that would be a way that I would uh, suggest. Uh, for example, many uh, parents work with THC in legal states with their kids who have JHD, which would be to uh, microdose, and that is. A microdose of THC is taking enough into your, symptom, into your system to get symptom relief without psychoactivity. So you can, you can start with one milligram or a single drop of a tincture, for example. And if that is all you need to get symptom relief and the, and the patient does not feel high, then you do not need a psychoactive effect uh, to get benefits. It's on a spectrum. So um, really it's about trial and error. It's, it's understanding how to use the product and being aware that you can surpass the sweet spot of a dose by getting high. A lot of, a lot of adult patients do that. They smoke an entire joint uh, to help their neuropathy when actually being a half an hour may actually be a and cheaper <laughs> way to medicate um, and still get symptom benefits. Yeah, and I think that um, a lot of people still envision, like, someone smoking marijuana if they're using medical marijuana, sitting there smoking a joint like you just said. But there, um, can you tell us other forms of medical marijuana um, and how they are used that are, you know, used more than just smoking a joint? Absolutely. Um, yeah, this, that is the common misconception is that smoking marijuana is, um, is the medicinal form of marijuana. Um, uh, uh, it is not, and it's, it's not the primary form that I go for when I'm advising patients. Um, with that said, just briefly, I will say where it is beneficial, and that is when you inhale cannabis into the lungs, uh, it goes from your lungs directly up into your brain. And so if you're a patient who suffers from migraines, for example, uh, and migraines uh, get worse and worse and you need to head off the pain before it gets bad, to inhale cannabis can be a, an efficient and effective way of treating something like migraine. Um, but if we're dealing with uh, things like neuropathy, um, if we're dealing with uh, appetite stimulation, um, Uh, sleep issues, to take uh, cannabinoids into the GI tract can be a much more efficient method. So I'll just explain that a little bit. And that is um, when you uh, deliver cannabinoids to the body, because we have receptors everywhere, we have receptors for cannabinoids in our skin, in our organs, in our bones, uh, muscle muscle tissue. So wherever you deliver the cannabis, uh, the receptor sites there are going to receive it. So you deliver it to the brain, it's going to, get, it's going to affect the brain. That's where you're going to have the most psychoactivity. If you deliver it to the GI tract, that's where you'll stimulate the appetite. That's where you can deliver pain-relieving effects if you have pain in your hips, 
for example. Um, other people really get benefits from topical application. And if you're a parent who's really worried about the psychoactive effects of cannabis or delivering cannabinoids to your child and, not, and you're unsure of what effect it's going to have on them, a topical application uh, with an oil is very effective and a very gentle and conservative and medicinal way of doing that. And so let me just break that down a little bit. Um, essentially, you on your skin, you have uh, it's part of your nervous system. So you have millions, billions of nerve cells on your skin. You can feel them. When you touch your skin, you feel your nerves responding. And those nerves have uh, cannabinoid receptor sites. So if you cannot ingest anything, if you're worried about the psychoactivity of cannabis, um, and you have skin issues like neuropathy, or you have dry skin, or you have pain um, there, or you're too sensitive and you can't handle the intensity of, of THC, uh, to apply it to your body is very beneficial. It's going to get absorbed through the skin. You can up, uh, deliver enough to get someone high. You kind of have to lather up their whole body. Um, but if you just have uh, pain in your hips, for example, I had a patient, she was 83 years old, no opiates could touch her pain. And she, when she took uh, cannabis oil internally, she didn't uh, feel it was okay, but it wasn't great pain relief. What she found was a daily application of cannabis oil right on her hip was what really took the pain away. So a lot of people forget that um, there's the, all these different methods. Um, uh, for ingesting cannabis and providing relief without certainly without smoking it. That's um, those are all good because I've, I've used a lot of different methods with, um, you know, my background is in hospice and we used a lot of different methods and none of it was smoking. None of it at all. It was all mm. rubs mm-hmm. or tablets mm-hmm. or creams or edibles and things like that. But, um, you know, in in the um, in different communities, but definitely we have heard it. Um, but there seems to be a lot of uh, concern that there could be long term effects from continued use of cannabis or medical marijuana. And while that could be true, there are also long term effects for many of the pharmaceuticals that people take on a daily. Um, what are your thoughts? Excuse me. Um, this is also a really great question and um, and is worthy of, of debate. Um, first off, my approach to cannabis as medicine is, t- and when we're treating uh, symptoms with a patient, is to take conventional prescription medication that would be provided to that patient and look at the side effects side by side with what we know about cannabis. And many doctors say, we don't know anything about cannabis, but I'll tell you what, we know a lot about the harms of cannabis. Uh, That's what they've been studying. Uh, When you have a drug that's illegal and you have plenty of funding to go into a drug to find all of its harms, then you're going to come up with a lot of studies. So there are plenty, there's plenty of evidence for the harms of, of cannabis. I can go into them briefly, but when you look at those side by side, with the medications provided for, for example, uh, neuropathy, which might be opioids, uh, or um, seizures. So children's seizure medication can be fatal uh, for some kids. Those can be very dangerous medications. Um, If we talk about anxiety, 
We're talking about benzodiazepines and SSRIs. The data on these drugs has plenty of evidence for their harms. So, um, yes, uh, when we're talking about the, the long-term effects of cannabis, it's difficult to pin down. The science is still very um, in a gray area, and it's not. I would say it's not because of lack of evidence. Um, there's plenty of studies that have been done, uh, and really what it comes down to is that uh, it's not damaging the brain, but it can influence the brain. And so what this means is if you're somebody who is healthy, uh, and, I, and I guess I don't, you know, you could be a, a sick patient, so you have symptoms, but healthy in terms of your life and your life goals. If you get up every day and you bathe and you pay your rent and you go about your day and you're moving forward and you're staying healthy and socially active, et cetera, then moderate use of cannabis has not shown to be even correlated with damaging or hurting the brain or any long-term uh, effects. Um, when you're uh, uh, a young person who's using cannabis on a regular basis and you have trauma in your life, you have an uh, unhealthy or unstable home environment, you um, have addictive and risk-taking uh, tendencies, then that cannabis can actually influence your, your brain and you tend to shy away from moving forward in your life and instead you smoke pot. And then it's called marijuana use disorder and you, get, you succumb to this kind of apathy and, and living in your mom's the, kind of the stereotype. Um, but there was a fascinating study <clears throat> done on twins where they followed about a thousand twin couples. One of the twins uh, was a regular marijuana user and the other twin was not. And they measured their brains over many years and they found no correlation to any kind of brain damage or, or, or damage to the brain in general uh, at all. So um, I, I would say I tend to be conservative, so I don't like it when, and I have patients who come to me who have, who overuse or as we talked about they smoke too much and they should be going towards oils or they should be moving towards cbd instead of thc um, it can uh, also cause anxiety uh, and that can be really detrimental to especially someone who's already suffering from other ailments if they take uh, thc into their system and have a psychotic break or have a panic attack that's a terrifying feeling for, for that person and the people involved. So there's certainly harms there, but here's the thing. It is a plant. Uh, it is um, uh, interacting with a part of our body that receives and creates cannabinoids every second. And it has been in the human pharmacopoeia for over 5,000 years without a single uh, reported case of a fatality. Um, and, and people use that statistic a lot. It doesn't mean that, you know, just being stoned all the time and kind of escaping from the world isn't a bad thing. But if we're talking about medication, uh, I'm always really surprised that doctors are more willing to prescribe a medication that they know can kill someone uh, or can cause um, other severe side effects and instead of prescribing or recommending or suggesting a medication like cannabis that really cannot shut down any organs, it cannot kill you. So I think cannabis is actually a conservative first step in trying to deal with symptoms before you go into the, the harsher medications. 
So I know that um, you've mentioned a lot of these uh, positive effects uh, throughout the show, but can you kind of just go over them a little bit one more time for us of the positive effects that you have seen from cannabis or medical marijuana? Yes, absolutely. So um, cannabis, the way it works in our system, so our own endogenous cannabinoids uh, serve as regulators in our system, and they regulate our primarily our nervous system and our immune system. So sometimes people don't have enough oomph in their own cannabinoid system to keep it regulated. So when you deliver cannabinoids from the plant, if they're delivered properly, then you can get those regulating effects. And so that's pretty broad. But um, if we're talking about the nervous system, so the nervous system is in, is in charge of uh, emotional and uh, issues like anxiety and depression. And it's also involved in pain. So that is an enormous uh, uh, swath of, of um, medical issues that a lot of people deal with. There's so many different types of pain. And cannabis is a proven analgesic. CBD and THC uh, alone or, you know, individually are, are analgesics. They're different, slightly different kinds of analgesics. When they work together, they have a, a compounded analgesic effect. So pain relief is a huge one. Um, uh, anal, uh, anxiolytic, so this is anti-anxiety. Uh, THC, as I mentioned, can reduce anxiety in some people. It can also increase anxiety, so that's something to, to, to watch out for. CBD is primarily an anxiolytic, so it, it has that effect across the board with, with most people. Some people um, don't respond to it well or don't feel that effects. You know, the, the cannabis is not a cure-all or a magic bullet, but uh, reducing anxiety is huge. Um, sleep. Uh, it, cannabis in general is a proven sleep aid. It's a little bit challenging to get there because you have different varieties of plants. You have different strains and different delivery me methods that can increase um, activation in the body that can be stimulating. But in general, people report uh, improved sleep um, from cannabinoids. Um, uh, uh, spasms, so reducing its uh, THC and CBD are uh, muscle relaxant. That's why people chill out or relax uh, uh, when they're on it. Um, and so it's a proven muscle relaxant. So if we're talking about spasms and seizures, uh, this is a no-brainer in terms of experimenting with cannabis. It's not a magic bullet. It's not going to work for everyone. But the conventional medications for these things also are similar. Um, uh, weight gain. Uh, so it is an appetite stimulant. In fact, uh, as an as appetite stimulant and a nausea reducer, in comparison to some cancer drugs, uh, cannabinoids work better. Um, so we're, we're talking, you know, something that comes just naturally from a plant, something you can grow at your home uh, is a more effective medication than some medications for nausea and, and appetite stimulation. So this idea of the munchies, you know, people joke about that, but that is life and death for many cancer patients, as well as JHD patients. As you know, um, you know, keeping weight, I think Megan was needing 6,000 calories or 3,000 calories a day, some huge amount of, um, of calorie intake. And when you're taking a bunch of medication that slows down your digestion, that makes you feel nauseous, you lose weight at dangerous levels. So if you can introduce something to the system like cannabinoids uh, appropriately, you can um, help with the pain, help with the sleep, 
help with the appetite stimulation, you get a, a whole package from it. Um, what else? Um, I think that it, those are the major ones. Um, certainly there's subtle things in between there um, that don't, but when we're talking about sleep, seizures, um, uh, oh, cancer, I suppose, is a big one. A lot of the care related to cancer um, and the symptoms related to cancer care, uh, cannabis uh, helps with. So it's a huge swath of potential medicinal benefits. Absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing all of this because um, they, they are so relevant to to most of our listeners, um, you know, whether they be in the HD community or medical field, it's all it is all relevant. Um, so if someone was interested in pursuing some type of um, medical marijuana for obvious medical use and they are in a legal state, how would you suggest they begin? Where, where should they start? Mm -hmm. uh, this is a great question. I would start with your doctor. So, um, you know, this is the most conservative route. You go to, you go to your doctor very frequently. You start that conversation. You know, hey, I, Doctor, I've heard, you know, we, or we voted, we've passed it in our state. What are your thoughts on it? And your doctor might have great information and, and be able to provide you objective uh, data on that and point you in a direction, typically to a dispensary that is going to be health-focused. Uh, if your doctor says, not interested, don't want to discuss it, um, you know, don't know anything about it, um, that's fine. I would I would research and look into the dispensaries in your area that um, have a really strong medicinal focus. If they have medical professionals on their staff, even then, you know, some dispensaries might have a doctor on their staff and the doctor knows very little, little about marijuana, but they can just sort of write a script. Um, but if, if you don't have a dispensary nearby, if your doctor knows nothing about it, doesn't want to discuss it, then I would say CBD is the first um, step in. You can uh, buy CBD quite readily. And yes, it's confusing about CBD only states and non-CBD states. Well, CBD is found pretty much everywhere. If you go to a um, health food store, a local health food store in your area, you might find um, a CBD oil. You can certainly buy it online. You can get it from EzraHelps.com. That's where I sell my CBD. Um, but um, when you go into a dispensary, if you're working with a dispensary, it's very important to try to find one where you can have a consistent one-on-one uh, -on -one experience with somebody behind the counter. This is one of the major complaints about dispensaries is that every time you go in, there's a different person behind the counter. It's a very retail environment. It's not a very holistic or health um, centered environment. So that can be really frustrating for some people. And my uh, part of the reason why I wrote my book, Cannabis Consulting, is because I really believe we need more people out there who understand the practitioner model of cannabis. So there might be somebody in your community, um, if you live in you know places like California or Colorado, who are doing this. You know, sometimes it's a nurse who has a certification as a cannabis consultant, and you can just type it uh, into the internet and say, you know, cannabis consultant uh, in Colorado or whatever your state is, and you might find somebody who who is trying to fulfill that role as educator, um, provider, or caregiver. Uh, and um, that would be where I would start. Um, there's also, um, well, I was going to say, you know, just going online and going to YouTube and, you know, finding educational sites. 
it's quite difficult. You find a lot of misinformation out there. Um, so it's best to certainly seek out the professionals first, seek out the dispensaries that have a medicinal focus. That's where I would start. Um, in your consulting business, uh, what are ways, first of all, how can people contact you and uh, what services do you offer? Yes. So um, I have a couple ways. One, my website is EzraHelps.com. I mentioned that before. Uh, you can go on there, and I have tons of uh, educational blog posts just so you can learn a lot about it. Um, I and have videos on there as well uh, of my little lectures. I do a uh, live Facebook lecture every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that is um, – topics across the board on cannabis, and that's on my Facebook uh, page. Um, I have an Ezra Helps face, a Facebook group and Ezra Parzibach Cannabis Consultant. Uh, that's my Facebook page. If you type in Ezra Cannabis, I think I'm one of the first people that comes up uh, into the Internet. Uh, and, um, uh, oh, so the services I offer – are obviously a, a full range of advice and consultation for parents and, and practitioners and, and patients. So if you're a par patient who's um, maybe has dispensaries in your area and you're just not quite sure what to use or what, what to get when you go, go to the dispensary, you can call me for consultation. Uh, if you want to buy and utilize my CBD and learn how to use it effectively uh, over time to get the right dose and, and get benefits from it, I can guide you through that. Uh, I also do help the full spectrum. So I do help parents whose you know, 20-year-old kid is smoking too much pot and, and may have some anxiety disorders or may have some medical needs, but they need to tweak or tune their cannabis use so that it is healthy and more medicinal. It's very difficult to extract the recreational, uh, ritualistic, um, cultural aspect of cannabis from the medicinal conservative use aspect. So that's part of the services I provide as well. That's awesome. So everyone, you guys can go on his Facebook page, um, uh, Ezra Helps. And like you said, you type that in, you'll see it. Or it's EzraHelps.com, right, Ezra? Mm -hmm. That's right. And that, and let's spell that for people because um, just in case they want to, it's E-Z-R-A. Yeah, E-Z-R-A-H-E-L-P, yeah. e right? S.com. Uh, S. Yep. Ezra helps. E z r a h e l p s dot com. I'll even give my uh, the phone number, and it's four one three five three nine three zero five nine, and you can call. If you go to ezrahelps dot com slash consultation, you can just go to my consultation page and fill out an intake form, which is helpful for me in order to assess um, your medical issues and, and what we're dealing with before we sign up for a consultation. And if you're out of state, um, I do it via phone and Skype um, and, and, of course, in person if you're in western Massachusetts as well. All right. All right. So I think we are going to wrap up the show. Thank you for all the information today, Ezra. And um, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Well, uh, one, thank you uh, both so much. I'm honored to be on the show. And I just want to say that um, my heart goes out to everyone who and their family suffering for, from HD or JHD. This is a brutal disease. And, um, 
I can only imagine what you're going through. So I just have, I would just want to express my empathy. I think that's really important um, as a practitioner to, um, to, to express that, that it must be really painful. And um, so that's why I'm here to help as, as far as cannabis is concerned. Um, and if you're wary at all, if you're worried about it, if you want your doctor to talk to me, um, I also really welcome that as well. I love to educate groups and things about it if people are still unsure. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share all this with us today. Uh, the information will hopefully help people in our community have a better understanding of medical marijuana and help them make an informed decision. Remember, everything, every decision is, um, you know, we help HD. We do not, and all of our stuff we even do pharmaceuticals or anything, uh, we do not, you know, uh, you need to make your own decision as a community. We just bring you information. But this was an amazing show, and thank you full of information. So thank you, Ezra, so much for coming on uh, with us today. Um, we aren't going to have a show next week because it is Christmas time, and um, so we, uh, all of our hosts and Help for HD, are going to spend some uh, well, well-deserved time with our families Um let, to let everyone know, um, if you guys need help navigating through the holiday season, Help for HD International has really been committed to that this year. Um, you can go on our website and you can find articles about navigating through this holiday season with your loved one. Um, you can talk, there's ideas on gift buying, um, as well as our holiday programs were a huge success this year. Um, we did help many, many families with holiday meals, as well as the toys program for children um, who live in a house who. Uh, that's impacted by Huntington's disease. So um, I'm very proud of Help for HD this year and um, everything that this company has done for our community. Um, everyone at Help for HD International, as you all know, our lives are impacted by Huntington's or juvenile Huntington's disease. So we will be spending um, our holiday seasons remembering the ones that we have lost from Huntington's disease and sharing this holiday season with our loved ones that are still with us. Um, all we can do is love each other, you guys, through this holiday season, and uh, we are a large community. And remember, you are not alone. Uh, if you ever need help for HD International, we are here for you. We are here from you always. Here for you always. You can always go to www.healthforhd.org and contact us. Um, and as always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, everyone, have a happy holidays, and we will talk to you guys in 2018. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katrina. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.